0: This is an adult podcast made by adults for adults. Yeah, I don't know exactly what happened, but Suede does have COVID and somehow it is so contagious it affected his mic to be sick. I don't know the science behind that, but my gut feeling is stupidity might actually be the most deadly disease out there. Other than that, we have two fairy tales for you guys today. One that thrills. And one that warms the bottom of your heart. This is Fake Film Fans.
1: Hey, everybody! Welcome to Fake Film Fans. I want to thank you all for listening. I'm Suede Best, the last COVIDicorn. <laughs>
0: Hi everyone, I'm Walter and I don't have COVID. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you heard it right, folks. The best house, Casa del Suede, is on COVID lockdown. Oh, I thought your
0: joke was that you guys were on unicorn lockdown. Or like maybe you guys had grew too much corn, so you were overflowing with too much
1: corn. To catch all the unicorns, we grew a bunch of regular corn and in doing so caught COVID. And it's, yeah. it's terrible. No, uh, some chuckle fuck that interacts with my dad caught COVID and went to work anyways because he like had to do his job and got my dad sick who then got the rest of us sick. We're all doing okay. My mom and dad are on like COVID antivirals because they're immunocompromised in some ways and so they're they're doing fine because of the meds. Me and my little brother both have it too. I honestly feel like I have a, a pretty mild hangover and like I smoked a whole pack of cigarettes in one night which is kind of just what I felt like every morning that I woke up in college. So I'm, I'm not doing all that bad. Like I could go about my day-to-day activities if it weren't for the fact that I am a disease vector. I kind of wish
0: you- you told me you had COVID beforehand because now I'm worried I'm going to get it.
1: Yeah, but listeners, you have to sterilize your earbuds before you listen or you're going to catch oral COVID. Yeah, last
0: episode we had our first trigger warning in the intro, we might have two trigger warnings in a row. Trigger warning COVID! Don't listen to this podcast unless you want to get COVID. <laughs>
1: this podcast is going to go viral, just like COVID. <laughs> now, did you ever... Have you caught COVID yet? Well... Uh,
0: no, or at least I have never shown symptoms of it.
1: I mean, you're you're in a place that, like, actually takes care of what happened. Like, y'all, y'all your city and your country has, like, COVID on lockdown. Unlike the United States of... Or no, excuse me. Unlike the divisive states of America.
0: Speaking of divisive states of America, you guys have to check out our new Devices States of America flag on Twitter. That's right. D-S-A, D-S-A, D-S-A. We've decided to actually call it Devices States of Waifu America to Ooh, I didn't represent Americans a little more. Yeah, so that's true. Waifus are important. It's a good flag. It's a good flag. We both worked on it together.
1: When China and the United States of America eventually have war and the only thing left is the blighted wastelands of Virginia and the blighted wastelands of Hong Kong, Walter and I will conquer both areas and create a new kingdom that is both China and the United States of America called the Divisive States of Waifu America. And we will be your leaders and you will follow us and you will worship us from the ashes of both China and and the United States will rise a new and more powerful force led by me and my boy, Walter, and you, the podcast army. I think it
0: should be called divisive provinces of waifu America. Otherwise, you have too many America terms, and therefore China doesn't get representation in that name.
1: Too many too many syllables. Is there something smaller? Something that's the same syllables as states that can represent China?
0: Divisive small eyes of
1: America. <laughs> that's still, first of all, <laughs> I'm not even going to tackle that one other than to say states is one syllable. Small eyes Is two syllables.
0: Okay, in divisive states of America, waifu America, how many of those words represent China? Zilch. How many of those words represent America? Four out of five. That's pretty America biased. Okay, okay,
1: okay. How about the
0: divisive
1: states of waifu China? Okay, fine.
0: That I can go with. Yeah. Okay. Let's have it called China instead.
1: I don't know if everyone knows this, but in Hong Kong, if you get exposed to the COVID, you have to go to like a special COVID hotel, right? Uh, Not right now, but
0: yes, we get into dips. And I think in general, because a lot of East Asian countries are starting to warm up to the idea that COVID might never really disappear. Korea has really started opening up. Singapore, some Southeast Asian countries have opened up too. So I think more and more countries are going to follow suit. Hong Kong is starting to try to Care less and less, but we still have to wear masks. That is a must. And we have a app on our phone that basically tags us and keeps track of vaccination record. So we can't go into restaurants unless we don't have our vaccination. Once
1: you do have your vaccination. Of
0: course not. Fuck
1: vaccinations. I hate vaccinations. right, <laughs> anti-vax, the vice motherfucker. Of state <laughs> of China is anti-vaccine. You know the only vaccine you need. White foods. The muscles and good movies.
0: I don't know about muscles because steroids give you muscles and I'm anti-vax because I'm scared of shots.
1: But you can take steroids uh, in pill form, I'm pretty sure. Okay,
0: I do not want to put a pill up my ass, so no thank you
1: that's why dude you need to start getting the true gains i actually was googling around online and i did find a website where you can buy just like buy anabolic steroids and part of me was like i could like do this this could be my new thing this could be my new muscle thing but apparently uh anabolic steroids make your hairs fall out which is like not i I like like my hair i want it to stay so i I won't be doing that
0: yeah so i'm not actually anti-vax i have three
1: vaccination doses is that what you have yeah so i have the the vaccine the second part vaccine and the booster
0: so i actually have a weird one i don't want to get anti-science here but scientists haven't concluded which vaccination is the best one right i think i have three different vaccinations from oh, three really? different companies yes i have Dude, the one from the china one one of them from america and i'm not sure if i got a booster of the same one from America or another one from America. But apparently it's really rare right now in the whole world for a place to be able to choose, like, the old technology of vaccination or the new technology of vaccination, right? So America's using the new one. Fuck it. You know what? Science people are going to super mad at me because I'm just spitting out lies. But from what I can tell is that the American one has, uh, like, a change in DNA and the Chinese one uses the old technology where... They basically put in weak, whatever they're called, weak germs. Weak germs. Yeah. So I have both of them. Now, see, the-
1: I thought I thought it was a little more like Osmosis Jones, where they take a vaccine filled with two little guys and they put it in there. And the little guys, they fight. They, they fight the virus like Osmosis Jones, because we're all Bill Murray in our hearts.
0: I'm actually pretty sure they take the shot and stick it into a television in order to extract osmosis jones that's, into that's right. the shot no
1: one wants to admit it but every vaccine is just uh, like someone has distilled the electrons and microns and crayons from the from the vaccine tv and injected it into our blood like osmosis jones dude that would be so good we should do that on the podcast
0: i've never seen the movie i've only seen the tv show
1: actually the tv show is good it's just not as good as the movie really interesting yeah. okay because the movie's got like some badass actors in it and the, bill
0: murray doesn't act in the tv show
1: bill murray is like okay in the movie but i'm talking about um oh what is his name i don't think the tv show has Lawrence fishburne in it who played the like super bad virus which you've not seen the movie so you wouldn't know but the main antagonist is played by Lawrence fishburne do you have more to say about covid actually here's the thing i'll say it's like weird not being able to leave my house Mm. (laughs) it was weird when we first did lockdown but like no one could leave their house it is weird not being able to see other people but my direct family members like i literally everyone in my house has covid so we can see each other but I, I literally can't see anyone else. And you have to
0: wait for everyone to be free of COVID before you can see someone, right? Probably. Uh, I, well, I'm not
1: sure. I don't know. I'll have to do some... Wait, t- actually, calling. can I
0: can I ask you a fucking question? What prevents Americans from leaving their house with COVID? Nothing. Okay, so you could go out.
1: I could, but I mean, like, I'm not an asshole.
0: But a lot of people do.
1: I mean, and like, I went to work the first day. I didn't have COVID. I didn't po- test positive yet, so I went. But my dad had COVID. I probably shouldn't have, but...
0: oh, so you literally went to work despite the fact that it was very highly likely that in a few days you would be getting covid
1: yeah because i tested negative and so i figured i'd be fine i didn't feel bad yet either i don't know it's so like my mom was like woke up and she's like i sweated so much last night and i was like okay whatever fucking weird woman uh, but she was like i need some gatorade my mom had to call someone to come leave it on our porch because none of us can go buy gatorade it's weird being stuck in the in the house and i i don't know if you you probably don't feel like this way walter because you don't have responsibility not to be shitty but you like have zero responsibilities. I feel very calm. Right now, in a way that I have not felt calm in a very long time, because I have zero responsibility right now. I have one thing I need to do, which is I need to do some social media posts for the bookstore before the eight, which is tomorrow. I'm like literally like the most calm I've ever been, just because I, I don't have to do anything. I have no responsibilities. I feel I look forward to being sick because it means I don't have to be stressed out, <laughs> even if it means kind of crappy. <sighs> I apologize.
0: Maybe that's just the reality of how miserable life is. <laughs> awesome, awesome, <laughs> awesome. Good, 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 good. Can I ask you a question though? Yeah. Why the fuck are Americans so obsessed with drinking Gatorade? Why are they sick? Dude, I don't know. Like, does it actually do shit? I mean, in the same way, there are some, like, weird things Asians do. Like, we have to drink chicken soup, which I've never fucking done in my entire life. I feel like,
1: so I feel like it's probably the same thing. Salt and vitamins. It's just the difference is, like, it's and a water. lot. E- and water. Salt, liquid, and vitamins. Now, I-, I will tell you, when I've been, like, really sick, I've drank Pedialyte, which is, like, this, like, juice they have for babies when you're, like, vomiting so much. <laughs> do you also you know eat I mean?
0: applesauce?
1: Apple applesauce dude i fucking hate applesauce
0: when i get sick though i actually just chug water i chug so much water that i have to like get up to pee every 30 minutes and in my head peeing a lot is like washing the germs away so as long as i like fucking go ham on water i I'm actively pushing the germs out of my body. I don't think that is also the right way to think of it, but it feels good. No,
1: I, I have something like that too. There's this old Garfield comic strip where Garfield is sick and then he eats a bunch of lasagna and he says, my mom always said, feed a cold, starve a fever. And so whenever I get a cold, I just eat a shit ton because I, I'm i sure, this is no joke, I'm sure Garfield is right about this because I do feel better after I like consume a bunch of food. Like I feel like the cold has lessened. Interesting.
0: I usually feel worse after eating. Especially if it's like one of the vomit sicknesses. That's not a cold. That's
1: like a stomach bug.
0: I don't know. Even colds make me like not feel very good. Even eating the
1: wrong stuff, you just got to eat Twizzlers. It's Twizzlers. That's the only thing you need to eat.
0: <laughs> Dude. That's just a fucking sugar high. That's like saying, just get drunk when you're sick. No,
1: it's good. (laughs) Twizzlers are good for you. They have vitamin
0: T. Also, don't you chug NyQuil when you get sick?
1: Yeah, I do that also. I did that last
0: night. So you do get drunk. That's what you do. You just
1: (laughs) get fucking drunk, you idiot. So I I probably will be drinking NyQuil for the rest of the week. I'm going to get a test five days from when I got it, which is going to be Saturday to see if I'm COVID free. But I am going to call some doctors and be like, what? You know, what's going on? So Gatorade...
0: The reason why I brought it up too is because it's a sore spot for me because when I was young, I used to get a lot of bronchitis like all the fucking time. It was like a seasonal thing for me. I wonder why. I had weak lungs. I had asthma, according to Western doctors, but according to the Chinese doctors, I just needed to breathe better. So I drank a lot of their Chinese medicine and, I don't know, breathed air
1: more. <laughs> I mean, I used to have asthma too. I still do. Maybe I should do some Chinese medicine. Yeah, I used to use inhalers
0: like for a really long time because of Western doctors, and then I took this Chinese medicine, and I never needed an inhaler
1: ever again. Do you know if, the, if Chinese medicine has any answers to uh, brain cancer? Because I could do some help with that. <laughs> do they have any answers? What do you do? Uh,
0: I mean, they'll tell you they have answers, but my mom always complains that, like... The issue with Chinese doctors is they always tell you to stop taking the Western medicine, and she thinks they like go co hand in hand.
1: To be fair, that sounds right to me. You know, I mean, like so for instance, like when I'm sick, I drink Nyquil, but I also have my ritual of eating a bunch of like Twizzlers and waffles and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not in the Chinese doctor books, but okay. <laughs> well, you no, know, but you know what I mean, <laughs> that's right? Like book you, of like Garfield. No,
1: no, no, but what I'm saying is like if you if you've like figured out non traditional or not non traditional. Uh, what's the words? Al- Allopathic medicine and homeopathic medicine? Are those the two terms?
0: Outside white medicine? No, I'm joking. White people have weird medicine too like witchcraft or
1: garfield (laughs) dude you know my new thing is when uh this is is my new thing in the bookstore is when like tough business bros come in looking for business bro books and self-improvement books i just offer them confucius's analytics or lots is the daddy ching and i'm like you know this is really for forward momentum and this is for more like social wellness and i just get these like tough business bros to read them and it's so funny it always cracks me up
0: they love the asian
1: shit they love art of war too well that's true they do Love the art of war which is weird weird to me i don't know how one can live their life like the art of war i mean i guess it's because everything's about competition so
0: let me finish this uh gatorade story right my brother he would get sick too not as much as i did but he would his sickness was always the fucking stomach bug for me the doctors always recommended to stay in bed drink a ton of water and i hated water back then my brother their recommendation was fucking gatorade so i would get <laughs> fucking water and you never my brother gatorade. would take gatorade no oh, i would never no. get gatorade oh no and i would always beg my mom like it's not fair why does he get a drink gatorade when he's sick i don't get it if i mo- i think my mom one time let me drink a bunch of gatorade and i like overdrank and got sick of gatorade because i just was like this is my fucking chance to drink gatorade <laughs> Yeah, so When you're a kid, you just hate water so much So like when I literally see Someone else getting sick And their consequence is drinking Gatorade I was always like When I get sick, it sucks. When my brother gets sick, his life is heaven. What the fuck?
1: (laughs) That's so fucking funny. Dude, I love that. My brother keeps puking, so he needs to drink Gatorade. It's such a bullshit. Yeah, I know. (laughs) We should just wrap it up by saying important. If you have COVID, drink Gatorade, breathe more air, eat Twizzlers, pray to Garfield.
0: film from this genre that's been popping up in my quest of watching movies i don't claim i invented this genre because i've seen letterbox lists with films about this it's the female friendships are dangerous genre
1: there's a fuck ton
0: of films always about female friendships and they're always bad news in these movies men and women have Directed this. The movie I'm bringing is directed by a man, but you can even check out like recently Respire, the French film. Next one. That was directed by a man.
1: Pride on Pride oh. Month? On Pride oh, Month? On Pride
0: Month? On Pride Month? My movie is Poison for the Fairies.
1: On oh, Pride Month, really? poison for the fairies on pride month <laughs> Wait, what, really what are you flying now never heard that. maybe that's a maybe that's a south thing calling gay people fairies yeah you fucking fairy oh,
0: no i never heard that okay that's fair on pride month i apologize i brought the wrong film uh but in spanish hey at least it sounds a little different it's veneno para las adas dude such a so
1: bad <laughs> I, no, no, to be fair i don't know how to pronounce it all that great either
0: it's a mexican film directed by Carlos. Enrique Taboada, I believe.
1: More importantly, produced by Hector Lopez, who, according to Wikipedia, was also a left fielder and third baseman in Major League Baseball for both the Kansas City Athletics and the New York Yankees. I'm not sure if this is a Wikipedia mistake, and they just linked it to <laughs> Lopez. I was looking up this film, and I accidentally clicked on the producer, and it brought me to a baseball boy the timeline like kind of matches up because he was born in 1929 so it makes he would be around the right age this movie was directed by a produced by a baseball (laughs) boy
0: dude that's so cool if that's the case so veronica and flavia friends flavia is like kind of rich veronica is very jealous of flavia's wealth veronica tricks flavia into making flavia think veronica's a witch and keeps threatening flavia that if they don't do some of these witchy stuff and if flavia doesn't give her some of her like prized possessions that her family gives her she will get her revenge as a witch the reason why Flavia actually is convinced Veronica's a witch, though, is because they do this curse on Flavia's piano teacher, and the piano teacher ends up dying because she had two strokes beforehand. And she finally just kicks the bucket. Yeah, so it was a coincidence. But Flavia freaks the fuck out and thinks, like, Veronica's actually a fucking witch out to get her. So even though Flavia is, like, freaked out, the movie doesn't portray it like Flavia's under hostage. It more looks like an actual friendship between two, like, 11 year old girls. It's
1: like a weird one like a weird bullying friendship which i we all had one of those right
0: yeah this is actually what's so interesting because i want to talk about this for sure before we get into that this film is like slow admittedly but i think the payoff is really good cuz flavia's like all docile and getting bullied flavia's like just got a dog from her parents and Veronica's like give me your fucking dog otherwise i'm going to curse you and Flavia's like alright here you can have my dog and then she like is forced to say i would never take my dog away from Veronica ever again <laughs> but Flavia ends up like seeing Veronica's shadow in the barn at the end of the film and it looks like a witch and she just takes a fucking candle and burns the bar down and watches veronica burn into ashes it's pretty death metal yeah a pretty fucking death metal ending and it's it just I think the ending feels so impactful because of how little flavia gives off the vibes that she's actually done
1: with this relationship well it's also interesting how low stakes everything feels Like, it just feels like kids are being shitty kids. And then one of the kids is like, ah, now it's time for a barn death. A fire barn death.
0: I think most people would, like, come into this movie and kind of be like, I don't really get why they're still friends. Veronica's so mean to Flavia. Like, why the fuck is Veronica being so mean? And I think there is a reading that you can do for this movie that's, like, about class, right? Because Veronica is not as wealthy as Flavia. So you can, like, read the bullying as, like, sort of a class revenge sort of story but i am also like genuinely interested sort of stripping away a lot of the social conversation and really focusing on that sort of love hate relationship that you were talking about yeah
1: there are kids we like hung out with even though we kind of hated them and they were mean to us
0: and there are people around us that we are extra mean to even though i think we love them but at the same time i don't know if veronica loves flavia right or that they they both need each other for sure Flavia's super shy super lonely and veronica helps her like, exist in school as a person. And Veronica needs Flavia because she needs that sort of uh, feeling of being in control of someone's life. I'm curious if it's like out of love or out of hate because I do this shit to you. Sometimes I mean to you when I don't get enough attention. Is that not true? (laughs) No.
1: (laughs) Every once in a while, you'll do something that'll make me pretty angry, and I'll just, like, be pissed. But I can't do anything about it. Because when we live together, when you do shit like this, especially when you were drinking, I could just hit you. That was And it, like, felt even. This doesn't happen as much anymore. I think this is when we were sort of getting used to how to be friends across the globe. To
0: clarify to the audience here, when Suede hit me, he means he took a candle and lit me on fire. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'm not saying one is worse than the other. I'm just saying I felt like I, I felt like I didn't have to be mad anymore after I kicked you in the stomach.
0: Yeah. So how do you get over it now, now that we're away from each other?
1: I don't know. You and I see the world differently. And I, I know sometimes it's easy for like, like I, I've done this many times where like, I don't think it's a big deal. And then I'll say something and someone will get really upset. So just like putting it back in the framework of like, I don't think you have a lot of malice except for when you've been drinking a lot. And when you've been drinking a lot, the malice comes from a place of, I don't know where that comes from. Yeah. But so I, I I sort of just try it off. I mean, to be fair, yeah, it, I, I I am not mean to you online. No, you're not nearly as no, not not nearly as much. Everyone, you know. I mean,
0: it is hard because I mean, when we're online, we're literally talking to one another. So I'm not like desperate for attention.
1: Yeah. It was more when we were living together, and I'd be trying to do something, and again, it could just be dealt with with a swift punch. That's why I broke all the ceiling tiles. uh Did you have friendships like this when you were little? Because I the one that pops into my head was this person, this redhead. We're gonna call um Baker. I did not like Baker. Baker was a dick he was an asshole which is like this like mean spirited spoiled little brat but like i don't know i hung out with him he was the one who brought the nut tapping game to school which is where you like hide behind something and when someone walks past you you tap them in the ball sack with your two fingers i was so bad at it because for one thing i didn't realize that i had bad vision that was like one of the things that i like never realized as a child was like people can like actually see leaves that was something i didn't understand but i I got tapped in the nuts so many times that i blacked out blacked out blacked out uh, I like that. It was like the fourth time I'd been nut tapped in like a an hour period, and I was just like, I completely I blacked out, I like disappeared from reality.
0: That's so fucking scary. <laughs> we, we got yelled
1: at a lot for that one, but I got my revenge. And I don't think I've ever told anyone this story. I went to Baker's house for this big party, and I really had to shit, and so I shit in their houses. Like they had like a big mansion, and I shit in one of their toilets, and I couldn't unclog it, so I grabbed a stick. From outside, which I'd seen my mom use to unclog the toilet. But I guess I further clogged the toilet with the stick. And so... It just overflowed and there was shit water everywhere. And the mom literally had to fill a bucket with shit water and just dump it out and like get someone to fix the bathroom. She was like literally shoving shit into a bucket.
0: So do you think Baker actually liked you? Because a lot of these bullying stories that we always tell, it's always like, oh yeah, the bully is like insecure. And of course this is in this film. But because I've like watched so many female friendships are dangerous genre, I'm starting to wonder like maybe there's like Actually, toxic as it may be, genuine love in a bully's desire to bully someone.
1: I think Baker was an only child who was spoiled and unhappy because his parents had got divorced. He was just like angry and a little mean spirited and spoiled and assumed it was just a fine way to act. No, but I I don't know. I think sometimes people, like, I I was called a bully in high school. I didn't realize it at the time because I just thought everyone was having fun. I think those are the two types of people who like bully other people one of them is just like thinking it's funny and not realizing you're hurting people's feelings the second one is that like insecurity that like mean insecurity like I feel really unsafe I feel really weak so I'm going to lash out at other people and the third is just like kind of being spoiled and not realizing so you don't think
0: there are some people who generally want to like inflict pain on very specific people because there's such a weird love hate relationship with that particular person so
1: I think there are a lot of movies and also a lot of manga that does this who would have the opinion that if you like like inflicting pain on others like purposefully um especially like when they don't want the pain right like not considering like bdsm and stuff like that if you enjoy the act of cruelty i think there's something wrong with you so like it might be a thing but i don't think it's like a, oh this is a good thing like i think this is something no, I no, that's what i that's why i clarify toxic as it may be yeah no there are people like that i mean they're called sociopaths not all sociopaths are like that but like <laughs>
0: I think it might be a little more normal. I don't know. I even feel like maybe there are some normalized relationships that are borderline kind of the same thing. Like what about athletes and like friendly competition or rivals? There's a bit of a love-hate thing that goes on in there that is considered healthy, but this is not. There's another thing. I, I mean, you just said manga, so I don't know if this is a big stretch. But I think when, like, men are, like, in a toxic relationship with one another, especially in films, it comes out, out very differently. What is a male friendship is dangerous? How come that feels so much weaker as a genre than female friendships are dangerous?
1: I think it's because when, when men are supposed to be friends, like in, in male friendship movies, it's supposed to be this, like, concept of brotherhood, right? And the only, like, the only one I can think of that's, like, maybe male friendships are dangerous is... Is like Fight Club. Ooh, that's a good one. That is a good one. That's not. That one's not even totally true because of some of the plot points that come out later.
0: But it's a good one in the way that I think it shows how different it looks like. One is like so grounded by like jealousy and in Fight Club though, the toxicity is so grounded in like masculinity. And pushing people further
1: right? Pushing people to destruction in a way that is very male.
0: Yeah, it's like I can beat you so try to beat me and we're gonna be the fucking most violent of ourselves
1: i think in particular this genre is like when you think of like the way male friends traditionally fight and be mean to each other it tends to be physical and it tends to be instant rather than like insidious right but it's not this like slow thing versus in the, this genre you're talking about the female characters reflect this thing that like people like mean girls this mean girl ideology that you see again I don't know if this is like transcendentally true but there there is like an element or a narrative in female friendships of this like the cattiness and like jealousy and stuff like that that, that has been put on a lot of people and that manifests in a lot of female I remember in high school all these girls had like secret Twitters where they would like talk shit about each other and when they, and then like one of them would find the secret twitter because they'd be searching for it and be like how could you say this to me versus when we bullied each other in high school we just hit each other usually there's like an instantaneousness that i don't actually think makes for a good movie right like the instantaneous act of bullying like punching someone and being like yeah that's right loser like that's boring but like this like slow insidious creeping female friendships are dangerous bullying uh it's much more engaging to watch because it unfolds rather than just happens
0: yeah it's like way more designed for like thrilling stuff
1: yes for bullied male movies it's always what happens to the male after he's bullied right you know i think carrie is also similar to a male bullying film because it's not this insidious thing it's like obvious outcast bullying and like how far is too far for carrie
0: could i ask you a question do you think maybe bullying maybe manipulation maybe just really toxic friendships of
1: they hate each other maybe between two males would not work in a the film. There's a lot of emotional intimacy that these two characters share. The the way they hurt each other is one that requires a lot of emotional intimacy. I think it would be hard to make a movie that lives up to traditional masculine archetypes and has bullying like this happen. What if
0: you ditched traditional uh, Oh, then you could totally make it.
1: It'd be totally cool. It'd be totally fantastic. It would, it would probably get read as queer, I think pretty quickly because that amount of um, emotional intimacy like really strong Friendships can sometimes be seen from an outside perspective as bordering on romantic, which I think has less to do with stark differences with romantic relationships and platonic uh, relationships being different and more to do with the fact that they're sort of similar in some ways. And so I I, I think it, w- it would be hard to make a movie like that and not have it coded as as a queer conversation.
0: So the other thing I wanted to bring up, we did say last time we were going to bring colorful movies. So for me, I wouldn't call this film colorful Instead, I would say the colors are definitely meaningful. And I think there is a bit of a distinction for that. What I mean by that is that colorful movies for me, it's not like specific colors really pop. It's that the blend of the colors on one mise sense or whatever you want to call it feels really colorful this film works in a kind of a different way where yes nature the barns the houses they have a distinct color but it's a lot more bleached out so the color that you naturally notice is like the girl's dresses like pink and blue so instead of recognizing the whole thing as being incredibly colorful, you sort of only recognize the dresses. Well, the girl's hair color. The hair color. Yes, the blood and the brunettes. And like the blood. The blood is like always juxtaposed to something else. Can you give us some examples of the blood juxtaposition? In the beginning of the film, there's this like weird scene, which I still don't even know if it's part of the movie or if my movie was bugged. <laughs> where a girl with a knife climbs up and like slashes a older woman suddenly is black and white but the blood remains red and the older woman is like bleeding out of her neck and I think it's veronica's mom and i think yeah. Veronica kills her that was my understanding it's never explained ever again in that film like it's not even referenced to it, really so i was like so fucking confused if that part was even relevant here's another good example of what i'm talking about though there's this amazing valley swing scene so two hills a little bit of a slope valley in the middle and Veronica is swing- on a swing that goes from one hill to the other hill and because of Veronica's dress you notice her the whole valleys are covered in grass too so technically it is colorful it's very grassy very greeny But the thing you notice is that there's like this weird swing from one hill to another hill. The hills
1: being in the background, right? The hills being in the background, right? She's literally swinging between two hills. Oh, she's like swinging in a valley. That's cool, 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 cool,
0: cool. Yeah, it's so cool. It's one of the coolest scenes I've seen in a really long time.
1: But I, I think what the colors really do to this
0: film is that this movie was advertised to me as a thriller and horror. It's, and it doesn't feel like that,
1: with the exception of the first murder and the barn
0: burning. You know what it feels like to me more? And I think the colors have a lot to do with it. It feels way more of like one of those grim fairy tales. Like, not like Little Mermaid from Ariel kissing Flounder, but a type of fairy tale that we know about that, like, is supposed to scare kids a little bit. In
1: The Little Mermaid, you watch The Little Mermaid, right? Which is a fairy tale. And you're like, all you need to do is be true to yourself and believe in true love. And everything will turn out all right. This movie is, uh, this movie is more like, well, I'm not sure who the bad guy is, but it seems like if you bully kids, you're going to get burned up in a barn. That's something that's like brutal and has an ambiguous morality to it. So, sweet. Do you like fairy tales
0: because I know you really like horror, and I think fairy tales do have some type of darkness that horror does. I think there are some differences, but I also think the differences are like weirdly like two sizes of the same coin sometimes, so first of all, especially if it 's like a little like dreamy fairy tales' characters they act unaware, they like do decisions that don 't really get explained properly i don 't know like a weird thing happens and they 're like completely down with it and they 're kind of fine with it. Horror, yes, has more fear, and usually characters are like scared. But there are like a lot of decisions that they make that also make leaps of logical sense, right? Then fairy tales, I said, with the dreamlike thing, right? In a way, the horror is also a dream. A lot of times, it feels surreal. It can be dream. Maybe it's more of a nightmare. Also, isolation in uh, fairy tales are really important. A lot of times, usually a character is very isolated in its events of meeting people or their interactions with specific things in this film, none of the adult's faces are ever shown. So you only see the parents' from the back of their head, or you see them from, like, waist down. The only exception to this is that they show Veronica's grandma for, like, one scene, not explained again, because she never pops up again. So it's very weird for me why that grandma was shown. But otherwise, you never get to see any of the adult's faces, which basically isolates the kids.
1: I mean, because otherwise, none of this is gonna work. If you talk to your parents, and they're like, hey, guess what? Witches aren't really like this is nipped in the bud instantly well the parents definitely say
0: aren't unreal to the little girl all the time it's just that you don't get to see their faces so it's almost like you don't see their emotion or their anything like that but horror isolates their characters that's like a very big
1: thing with them i think it depends on the horror that's being presented I think there are there there are kinds of horror movies and horror novels that interact with the fairy tale super hardcore. I think Neil Gaiman does this really well in Coraline. I think Coraline has this fairy tale horror vibe, right? But I think if you look at the movie we watched last week, The Hills Have Eyes, there's nothing fairy tale-ish about that film. So I, I, I do have a soft spot for fairy tales. But what is the itch they scratch that is different? I think horror is too wide of a genre to say that they that they are going to always scratch the same itch. But I, I will say that I think that Aang Anxiety and the terror that manifests in fairy tales is often that the punishment doesn't necessarily fit the crime. And that, that that's also true in a lot of horror movies, right? Same thing with your movie, the fairy tale end where like uh, the little girl gets burned to death. Like, yeah, she sucked, but the stuff she did to the little girl is not deserving of being burned to death, right? So there's this fairy tale of but like
0: the girl should have just told her parents. <laughs> it's just super
1: super instant brutality. I think you see that in slasher films, but I don't know if slasher films are exactly quite like uh, fairy tales. But I, I, mean, I think if that. You is- have sex you should get punished that's true <laughs> in the divisive states of china sex equals punishment only masturbation
0: no sex so we're gonna have a ton of slashers in dsa
1: yes that'll be a, uh, an elected cabinet position if you catch someone having sex chop them give them the chop you know i think the dreamy quality you talk about is also really unnerving i think i think there's something like super wonderful about it in like certain in ways you portray it right like the like dreamy wonderfulness of like under the sea under the sea you know it's like a dream living under the sea with ariel and them but this the, the other side this uncomfortable dreamy that you see in fairy tales that go darker. I think that dreaminess is something we a lot of people have experienced, and so it's easy to transition that into a horror space.
0: I think the reason why a lot of people feel like they want to label this film as a thriller horror film is because the things that I just said that describe this movie as a fairy tale can also be used to describe a thriller horror film.
1: And I think it has more to do with, I think it has to do with the way you tell the story, right? If, if you look at fairy tales in the genre of horror, or stories in general, the genesis is brutal moral stories, right? Not unlike the and then you get into this period starting with Disney's like Snow White and Momotaro, the Peach Boy, where um fairy tales take this like really pleasant Is it
0: James the Giant Peach?
1: No, Momotaro. You know Momotaro? It's like a
0: Japanese fairy tale. And you said Disney. So is this really from Disney? No, it's not from Disney. I'm just talking about this
1: period of like these like oh! move- Oh, so it could be fucking goddamn Richard Nixon. It's re- All right. So fairy tales written by Richard Nixon. The story of the puppy dog who just lost his bone and he loses his bone. And then guess what happens when he finds it? An old lady drinks all his blood, cuts open his ears and drinks all his blood from his ears. That's the fairy tale. And then Watergate happens. And then Watergate happens, except it's Bloodgate because of the dog's ears. (laughs) Okay, so there's this period where fairy tales are, like, super kid-friendly and stuff like that, and then you get back into this period of dark fairy tales, right? So it's a cycle thing. Unlike fantasy or sci-fi, horror is all about the way you tell the story and almost nothing to do with the story itself. With fantasy and sci-fi, you need the trappings. You need the elves and the magic and the sword or the wizards, whatever. You need something that makes it otherworldly, similar with sci-fi but you can make a horror movie that's just about turning your page i mean sure sure i don't know what that i mean i guess someone is obsessed with turning pages and they slowly no, go no, mad. one
0: page one page but they're super fucking scared of what the next page will look like because it might be white with blue lines
1: uh, uh... Oh no. Oh that's no. What scary? <laughs> how much Ito, Ito Junji's short, short fiction have you read? There is a really good short mega comic he wrote about a guy who's obsessed with the books in his library and that there's one evil book that's like eating his books and it's basically like how horrible is the next page going to be. But so I, I think your example, while being silly, is like actually not a bad one. That horror is about the way the story is told rather than the story itself. And I think fairy tales have elements that are. Easy to tell a story in a horrible way, if that makes sense.
0: That's fair. Actually, you're, you're you make a good point. If this film, if Veronica and fucking Flavia were like given guns, then it would turn into Terminator.
1: Can you imagine <laughs> remaking Terminator with just little girls? It'd be kind of fucking. I dope, mean, right? that's just
0: Guns and Panzers, the anime. You no, know? no, I'm joking. I don't actually think that's a movie. Gun like girl, <laughs> gun girl,
1: girl gun, gun girl, gunslinger you know girl. About? Yeah, gunslinger girl. Is that
0: actually about? terminators dude battle angel Lita is probably the closest to fucking that's
1: terminator. true battle angel is pretty close to terminator
0: i just want to ask this one last question to you as my horror my horror sensei i don't know a lot about witches these witches Pray to Satan. When the fuck did we stop having Satan praying witches, and now we have these witches that are just like girl power magic? Actually, no. Well, these witches. It's right
1: Month. Well, you're not
0: allowed to talk smack about women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. I I don't want. I don't want girl power in that. What about like black magic? Black magic.
1: I will try to say this in a way that makes sense, but I will be honest with you. I've not done a lot of study on like Wicca and stuff like that.
0: Are we gonna summon a demon? if you tell the story
1: yes and that demon's name is bigotry and hatred and misogyny no so i mean right like in the west after like christianity takes hold of all the west witchcraft is like seen as from the devil right it is a sin but there's this movement right where you know women move back to sort of like older forms of polytheistic religion or um and i can't remember the exact term for it but the term for like nature worship and like the worship of like anima and the spirit less like figureheads and more like these like ethery kind of thing oh oprah oprah's a witch she's a a good witch, unlike Ellen DeGeneres, who's a bad witch, an evil okay. witch. It's pride month. It's, it's pride <laughs> month. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, sorry, Ellen DeGeneres. It's Pride but It's taking it back. And it's also empowering. I mean, right so much about witchcraft, especially Wicca, is about the mother spirit, and like it's a it's a thing about female empowering. I it. now I
0: fucking wonder how this film treats witchcraft, if it's empowering or not empowering.
1: It feels to me that the witchcraft is more just like a a childhood element right she could have easily have just said like i have a monster that i control and if you misbehave my monster's gonna get you well the thing that
0: is a little empowering though is that veronica's mom is dead right and from the beginning scene we think she killed her but with her conversations with her nanny her nanny keeps telling her her mom just died and that like be careful witches and be careful witches But instead of, like, scaring Veronica off, Veronica gets, like, super interested and is like, ooh, I want to be a witch because you're making this sound so fucking cool. So it's almost empowering in a way that, like, takes up
1: grievance no but i mean like i i think again we're you know when we're talking about horror it's too broad because there's like many kinds of witchcraft right there's like wicca there's like satanist witchcraft there's like Voodoo, which like they're not witches they're like practitioners but we'll call them witches you know like soothsaying sainter like uh what was it called haintery even um i just learned about the magic that the narco satanistas practice the the sort of like drug dealing. It was like this gang their leader practiced black magic and like they had this cult. I don't know if I'm calling it, pronouncing it right the Nganga from a fusion religion Afro-Caribbean thing and it's like a big cast iron pot filled with like human bones and skulls that lets you like cast magic.
0: I will also say that despite the fact that I understood the historical dissection of what Sway was talking about when Sway started listening All the factions of witches. He was speaking. I don't know. Probably he was actually cursing me with black magic because I had no fucking idea what was being said. It's
1: true. (laughs) That's my evil magic spell. Uh, have you ever
0: tried to do any spells or black magic? Well, I've never played with any black magic. Not even tarot cards.
1: I don't do tarot cards because I have trouble like fixating on things, and I know it would make it would make me be bad, even though I don't believe in it. I, it would like give me something new to fixate on, like oh no, what if this happens because this the tarot card says i don't need that in my life i already have enough obsessive compulsive problem but me and my buddies did get drunk once and i bought this book someone wrote the necronomicon from like the lovecraft stuff and like i found a copy of it in a barnes and noble rest in peace Barnes noble. and pe- barnes noble is still around what are you talking about really okay yeah so, it's literally a barnes noble. i can literally walk to a barnes noble but so we got drunk and i did uh i bit a okay. chunk out of my finger and mixed it with cigarette ash and spit and we drew a bunch of sigils on the ground and tried to summon the spirits of the dead what the fuck?
0: nothing happened did it hurt when you bit your finger no.
1: i just like chewed on the nail until like it started bleeding a bunch shout out to the metal heads i did this with the metal heads we were all bored and i think they were high and i was Dude, drunk this is
0: why your life is a failure yeah you think it's, did it didn't affect you but this is why your life is going downhill it's not
1: going downhill My <laughs> <laughs> Stupid fucker! No, you're the fucking the black, black the magic. You're, you're, you're like I see
0: demons behind you right now, dude. No, don't, say you. don't say that!
1: Don't say that! Oh no! <laughs> interesting that we ended up talking so much about fairy tales, because I kind of did bring a fairy tale, huh?
0: And we both brought movies that the music was so important in making them fairy
1: tales. Oh my god, dude, the music is so good. So I I brought The Last Unicorn, which is a Rankin and Bass film. Uh, that Rankin and Bass was a production company. They also did Flight of Dragons, which is actually my favorite Rankin and Bass film, but the music is not as empowering. This movie, The Last Unicorn, it's a cartoon. There's this fucking unicorn who doesn't know where any other unicorns are, and she goes on a quest to find the unicorn. There are three things... What, what are you laughing about? What are you laughing about?
0: It just reminds you of this indie song by the Unicorns, but the song is all about how he was born a unicorn and no one accepts him for being born a unicorn, but he is a fucking unicorn. So fuck you. I was born a unicorn. Nothing like
1: that. <laughs> But so the animation, uh, lends itself to the colors in a really interesting way, which I think is like very, very Rankin and Bass. It's very much their production house, which is that when any of the characters are moving on screen, they're, they're colorful, but they tend to be only one or two shades versus the background, which is always really like well drawn and painted, kind of like a Frizetta painting. What's cool about Rankin and Bass is they evoke the feeling that you get from looking at the old fantasy novel covers, which is cool because the three best Rankin and Bass films are based on fantasy novels. So, like, as soon as you step into this movie it's as if it's as if you're looking at a fantasy novel cover so that's i think where the colors are really important they they set you in a mindset of what you're getting ready for and it feels different to me from like 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 if we want to go back to the little mermaid a different time period but the colors are wonderful and the animation is great but the characters look the same as the background right the same animation style is presented to everything on the screen there's not a stark difference between the characters on screen versus the background and i i i, I so i really gravitate towards that so like like, instantly I'm put into a place of comfort watching this movie because of the colors and the animation. And it also, these were the first animated things I watched that were feature length, which may be why I didn't love Disney growing up is because like, it felt like why it was boring to look at for me in a way that these were not. Kind of like always tell me pun pun. The, the stark difference between pun pun being this like shitty little scribble and all the other characters being fully realized like that juxtaposition is really engaging. And
0: because pun pun is like the main character. So like in the same way, this unicorn is the main character. So you, see it the whole time.
1: No, the unicorn has like three colors. She's like a white mare, she's got like a purplish horn and a purplish mane, like purplish lavender and the shadows on her body which are like very simple basic shapes are an even lighter shade of lavender. It's like three colors versus like these carunculated hills and like beautiful forests that are like a cornucopia of greens and browns and reds and they can get away with having so much detail because they're static. They don't move like the unicorn. It makes the space feel really real and like alive without having to waste a whole lot of effort on animating stuff.
0: That's so interesting that you're talking about these backgrounds being stagnant because there's a movie from hung- Hungary called Son of the White Mare. It's about a white mare who gives birth to, like, a kid and he's, like, a kind of a god and he finds his two brothers who are also gods and they, like, go kill something. The animation is so fucking moving. It's constantly moving.
1: Oh, like, it's all, like, everything's moving on screen? Yeah. Their hair
0: is moving and all this stuff and the backgrounds, like, even though it's still, it will, like, move or, like, their shirts will have, like, swirls and the swirls will, like, move. So... I thought that was really interesting because there is something interesting about the way that we like horse stories to be very lively and energetic in a movie.
1: Can I say this? I don't give a fuck about horses. I don't like horses. There are two horses I like, the Unicorn and the Last Unicorn and 3030 in this old Israeli cartoon called Brave Star about a Native American space cowboy on planet Mars and his best friend 3030 the robotic half man half horse who could transform into a full horse so besides the colors the unicorn also has a voice changer (laughs) so she's like distinct (laughs) she doesn't have a voice changer she's played by Mia Farrow
0: yeah but her voice sounds a little
1: on the fucking robotic side are you talking about when she has like when she's in unicorn form she speaks she speaks to people psychically oh yeah that's it (laughs) that's what it is as it turns out there's this evil dude named King Haggard who has this magic uh, red bowl that's like made out of, like, fire and stuff, and has chased all the unicorns into the ocean and, like, turned them into the ocean, kind of, so that the evil King Hagrid can, like, watch them all. And the only way to save the last unicorn from the evil Red Bull is that Smendrick the Magician, who's, like, her friend, transforms her into a woman. And so then she speaks with her voice rather than psychically through her unicorn powers. And I think this is what makes the movie the most interesting to me, watching it as an adult. It's the last unicorn, feel she can feel emotions but she can't feel regret. She's something very alien, something very different. She's a more and she also doesn't feel like heavily into morals, right? So she gets captured by this evil witch, and the witch has cast all these illusions to make all these monsters, or all these things look like monsters uh, in her circus so she can make money. But she has two real creatures. One is the unicorn, and one is this harpy. And the, the unicorn says, you know, you need to let me free. I'm you, you can't hold me. I'm not meant to be held. I'm not meant to be owned. And neither is she. And she points to this evil ass heartbeat. We are we are part of the same coin. We are like the same thing. So it's not even like she's this force of good. She's just this otherworldly thing that exists. She's this transcendent figure. And I don't know what that thing is. And throughout the movie, everyone's trying to hold on to it. Um and they need it. The first person is this witch who inevitably gets killed by the harpy. But as she's getting killed, she's super happy because she was like, you know, you all can kill me, but I held you. I held you. And it's like, this witch doesn't care that she's dying because she caged this transcendent concept. The second character who gets angry at the unicorn is Molly Grew, who is this bandit woman who inevitably goes along with the unicorn. And she screams at the unicorn when she first sees it. She screams and cries. And she says, like, how could you show up to me now when I'm old? and angry. Why couldn't you show up to me as a kid, as a young maiden when there was still good in the world? Now I'm like old and bitter and I hate this. How dare you appear in front of me? She lives this life where she's never experienced beauty, never experienced anything good, and finally she gets it. Finally she's allowed to experience this thing, but she doesn't want it because she, she can't experience it the way she wishes. And then inevitably she ends up traveling with the unicorn. Finally they meet, the the the, the magician transforms her into a human so that we can, or she can free the rest of the unicorns and the bull won't get her and that's when the really interesting thing happens as a human she's upset because A she says I can feel my body dying I can feel myself aging she also starts experiencing human emotions and forgetting what it was like to be a unicorn and she ends up kind of falling in love with this prince and at the end she gets turned back into a unicorn she defeats the ball all the unicorns come back and she's left as this being that is both transcendent is both this thing that stands above humanity and is also capable of feeling regret which none of the unicorns have ever been able to do that's like the last line is like you know i'm the only unicorn who's capable of feeling regret and king haggard the guy who kidnaps all the unicorns and puts them in the ocean His whole thing is that, like, he only wants to look at things that make him happy, that he wants to hold on to, and that's why he's trapped all the unicorns, and his only way to feel joy is to look at this thing that he has. So there's this, like, really swirling, nebulous concept of, like, how exactly do I want to say this? Because it really, it really spoke to me last night, it really made me feel a lot of, like, pretty intense emotions. The unicorn is endless, right? Smendrick even says, Smendrick the Magician even says there's no such thing as uh, happy endings because nothing ever ends. And that all these characters want to hold onto the unicorn. They want to make it theirs. And at the end you realize that you can't. And instead you can take solace in Knowing the fact that the unicorn will always remember you. That you will stay forever because the unicorn has reviewed you, right? And because you have viewed the unicorn. I don't know, sometimes, I mean, my life, Walter, Walter was, like, goofing a little bit. But my life has been, like, a little rough for the past couple, two years. And, like, I'm always, like, struggling to grab onto this kernel of happiness to, like, stay. Like, it's fine to not, like, fall into despair. <laughs> That's, <a
0: Bushido. laughs> That's, a
1: That's the Bushido. That's the Bushido. That's your response to me pouring my heart out about this unicorn. What's the Bushido? What did you say? Zetsuboza, the
0: despair sensei
1: oh yeah 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 <laughs> no, 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 that's not so funny uh <laughs> <laughs> really okay fine. i just didn't think it was a very funny joke it's not inappropriate It's just like it's the joke is that you reference something no one knows about. what
0: everyone knows sayonara and that's supposed to what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> well, yeah do a funnier joke
1: do a funnier joke again I don't have a funnier joke. And I think what I realized and what has helped me a lot is this idea that like, you can't hold on to happiness. You can't hold on to joy. You can't like own something to fix yourself. You just kind of have to like view reality. There's like, you have to, you have to like simply let it exist. That's what this unicorn is, right? You're never going to be happy a hundred percent of the time, but you can see this unicorn and know that you've seen it. Like Just because I'm not happy right now doesn't mean I won't be happy later. Or that I haven't been happy before. I,
0: I understand what you're saying. I don't really understand why you're being so uh, vulnerable. i mean, so fucking insecure about it, though.
1: I don't know, this movie makes me feel vulnerable, dude. The music, I haven't talked about it yet, but it's so good. It's so beautiful. It's like the first song. I was like sitting in bed, like just like petting my cat and like singing along. And I like literally gave myself goosebumps. There's like a sorrow and a joy that Mia Farrow brings to the unicorn character and then you like juxtapose that against all these like people like needing to hold on to something so beautiful but not being able to hold on to it there are like so many things you can throw at it right you can think about this through the lens of your childhood right but you want to you want to be something not everyone but some people like really want to be a kid forever and you can't you can't hold on to that right and the more you hold on to it the unhappier you become and when but when you can let go when you can let go of the unicorns that you've trapped in the ocean with your giant red uh, fireball you can feel joy again I, I don't know there's just, like this movie i don't know i like i'm i was like close to tears last night watching this movie is is it, it just it hit me hard i
0: don't want to reduce anything you're saying because i think the joy and pleasure of it is the i don't know i mean or the exploration of a complicated emotion that feels both sad and joyful and powerful
1: but is it not just melancholy it's not melancholy because it's for, okay so I'll t- i can tell you what it's not So the unicorn is not God. It's not this thing that you pray to and your life gets better and it fixes things. And it's not the afterlife, because the only thing the unicorn does is remember you. When you're dead, you're dead. And like you could maybe live on through the unicorn's memory, but that's like, that's not an afterlife. That's like what happens in real life. And it's also not Christ, because it doesn't save anyone's soul. It's this thing. I don't know what this thing is. Is melancholy related to God? No, that's why I think you're wrong and stupid. It's not melancholy. Wait, what? I'm talking about the unicorn, not melancholy. I don't know why you're the emotion that i feel is melancholy but that's not why i feel the emotion
0: oh okay i thought we were just trying to explore your emotions i did not realize we were trying to explore what the fucking thing is because i don't actually care what the thing is in a way
1: what do you mean why
0: don't you care what the thing is i mean isn't it funner just to let it be in an unknown like i think the emotion is more cool than the thing (laughs) okay no. here's what it is i just figured it out through talking
1: the unicorn is anything act of viewing the unicorn is what you're supposed to do not the desire to hold it. So I see this movie as like a meditation on letting go of desire. That it's like simply enough to just experience the unicorn once and move on, right? And that's like really important to me. As someone who likes, life is not always great. It's okay because I've already seen that unicorn. The unicorn, the unicorn's like, when we were all hanging out, and like you wouldn't let in, you wouldn't let us in, and so we, we started pouring out the KG, and you started screaming, and going, "No, the KG, the Kentucky Johnson!" Like that moment was the unicorn, right? Or like you know when I first watched the Yellow Submarine with my mom, right? Like that was the unicorn in that moment. Those are the unicorns, and if I hold on to them and I try to do them over and over again, it's not going to work. But if I just know that those unicorns were there, it's like fucking worth it. It's like okay, but you still do you still not think it doesn't matter?
0: No, I think it matters. I think it's important and i think it's beautiful Thank you, Thank <laughs> no, you. I, no i don't actually okay if we're talking about like goucher the thing about goucher is that you guys were the ones who fucking made me stop desiring it so hard like you guys kept scolding me for fucking caring about it like you and fucking tori kept telling me
1: that i should not care so much about it so i got over it like i gave it up uh, what i'm saying is i think there's a difference between being able to look back on something and enjoying and wanting it back right and desiring it back like do you do you, do you find yourself- Giving in to desire, even though you know it's gonna make you upset in the long run? I might just be too
0: much of an alcoholic because perhaps maybe whenever I think about desire, I just drink. Like, I don't know what to tell you, but I don't feel like I have a lot of stuff in this world that I really like desire. It's hard for me to put names on them because, for one, the Goucher thing is a sore subject for me because I feel like I was the one who desired it most while we were all leaving it. And therefore, that's why I got the biggest scolding.
1: When it, what I'm saying is a prime example. If Goucher the unicorn, you can't hold on to it. You have to no, just... I
0: understand your point. I'm not trying to downplay anything here. Let's talk about a very recent one. I fucking loved making my life in New York and was very, very bummed about leaving it. And I definitely felt like it was stripped away from me. And it's been a few years since I've left New York. I still miss a lot of it. I still feel like I could have had a lot of real potential if I kept living there for a while, but I'm also over it. I never had that sense where like I had to actively be like, I'm letting you go. Time kills my desire. (laughs) i mean also sometimes i mean another thing i desire sometimes is sometimes i want people to play garlic phone with me but i don't think that's what we're talking about right
1: (laughs) for me it's easy to obsess about change and it's easy to get fixated on change and it's easy to be frustrated about how things have changed and so i actively have to let the unicorn go I'm, I'm doing that right now with some stuff in my you know my voice in my own life. In my own life. I'm, I'm letting go of a unicorn and it's it's not easy. It sucks.
0: Okay, maybe this is unfair. so you can tell me if it's unfair. but there also is a chance that when I obsess with a unicorn, I'm very loud and I will talk about it constantly. And when I do that, people immediately tell you to shut the fuck up, get over it. I so I get over it. But I think for some people, when they don't talk about the unicorn, they keep it a fucking secret. They keep it like a magical, mythical, personal thing. Not enough people around them tell them to get over it so they don't get
1: over it. But it's also, all right, so for instance, let's talk about one of your, it was Toby when uh toby went away part of the reason everyone told you to shut the fuck up about it is because you
0: wouldn't shut the fuck up about it and that's my point though i obsessed over unicorns really fucking hard get told i'm very cringe and i should go to hell and then it stops.
1: Yeah, I guess that's true because, like, I, I'm I'm the opposite, right? Where, like, I tend not to talk about... Like, I want everything to be a funny story, right? Like, even with what's going on in my life right now, uh, I, I make it I make it into a joke, I make it into a goof, I make it into a bit. So I, I never have to let go of the unicorn because it's never a unicorn. It's always like a donkey. It's always a horse. It's always a horse! Just like what happens in The Last Unicorn! Because in The Last Unicorn, very few people can actually see that it's a unicorn. Most people can just see that it's a horse. No, but so, like, you know, when people talk about, Oh! You know, the same thing over and over again. It doesn't matter how tragic it is. Eventually people just want to tell you to shut the fuck up. And so th- I, I am very different. I I, I I play my cards pretty close to my chest about stuff that's serious emotional stuff. Yeah,
0: and as I said, this might be unfair. I, d- I don't often
1: get told to shut the fuck up uh, about my problems because I, I feel like they're mine and mine alone. And I I think both have their pros and cons, right?
0: So I feel like I have no unicorns right now. Let me put it like that. So do you think in your life you've ever had moments where, okay, I don't have any unicorns right now. Because maybe you're just in a phase of having a unicorn right now while I'm in a different period of my life. Because if you caught me where the Toby incident just happened or something like that, yeah, I might be able to be like, you're right
1: that unicorn is fucking toby well but don't you think you you have unicorns you're just not holding on to them that's what i mean like you cannot hold on to a unicorn i remember all the good times that the unicorn represented right yeah yeah no that's fair well, i think you are right i am in a point right now in my life where i'm having more unicorns that i that i'm having to let go of and so that that is very true but I, I i will say i mean i think we both really loved when we were in college together and could like and not because it was like oh it was fun we could do whatever we want like there was like a really it was like low stakes and it was like a a huge amount of camaraderie. I guess um and it, it, you know it felt like we had like a community. But that's the
0: thing. You've talked about this college thing throughout the podcast like multiple times. I don't think I've brought it up like once.
1: No, I think it's because we got <laughs> tired of you
0: complaining about it. So I I ended up stopping after being fucking shit on for talking about yeah, it. but that's, <laughs> there's a difference between talking about it and being like why isn't it like the way it used to be, right? Yes. But people should know that I definitely missed that period the most out of all three of them. Tori, me, and Suede. So all three of them, exactly. That me is no longer me now. Oh,
1: you was dead. You let go of that. You didn't let go of that unicorn. You shot it in the face.
0: <laughs> so maybe a little bit of this is sounding like, why did you guys make me let go of this unicorn? Curses you. But it's not that. I'm just like trying to explain that i did so much fucking work to stop complaining about college life that like it just can't come to me naturally anymore you know <laughs>
1: that makes sense because a lot of the way tori and i talk about our experiences together in college was as goofs it's not about like how great the unicorn was it was like remember that time walter got really drunk or puked it's never like oh, i wish it was still like that even though that is on the back burner but it goes on set and i don't talk about stories like that
0: I am incapable of talking about the unicorn in a goof way. I will laugh at the way you guys tell the stories. I will laugh at the way that Tori is incapable of telling the stories. But I am not going to tell them in a goof way. Like, I just can't do it. I don't know. It just doesn't come out of me naturally. Well,
1: some of it is your sense of humor, right? And the way you make things.
0: I can only talk about D-Gen porn.
1: Sometimes I try to watch a movie with a Walter lens. Walter, would you fuck the unicorn when she's a unicorn? This was something I
0: did note down. In some ways, I understand that the unicorn is the moment and it's transient, but it's undeniable the unicorn also represents a very strong sense of femininity.
1: Oh yeah, totally, totally.
0: Right? So yes, I would fuck the unicorn in unicorn form because she is literally the definition of femininity.
1: So what I, I was I was thinking about this, I don't think I would fuck the unicorn, but I get that there's like a haughtiness to her, like if we're, t- we're taking this out of- Like she gets like super butthurt and pissed when one of the humans calls her a white mare, and she's like a mare. How dare you! I'm a unicorn, and I was like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. The next one, Walter. Would you fuck the harpy? Because the harpy is sentient, like the unicorn. It can also speak with brain powers. And for 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 listeners, the harpy is not like this like sexy woman with wings. It just looks like a really ugly bird with weird ears that also has three giant human titties and like saggy giant human titties.
0: Uh, no. Because despite the fact I make fun of people, actually, I don't make fun. Look, I don't kink shame. I don't make fun of you guys. I just bring you up because I find the conversation fascinating. So despite the fact that I talk about spiders laying eggs into people a lot, I do not have that fetish. So I do not want to be killed by serial killers. Therefore, I do not want to be killed by a gigantic harpy. But if you ask nicely, I probably would play Dead by Daylight with you. My
1: final final bit is the trick. So I have a friend, a very close friend, who says that the tree looks like a dick. I think it looks more like a tree with boobs, but I can see how it looks like a dick. So listeners, comment, tweet at us. Hashtag, is it a dick or not? To me, it looks like a sexy tree lady because Shmendrick accidentally brings a tree to life and it smothers him with its big old lady tree boobs and is like, Oh, I love you forever, Shmendrick. Would you have sex with that tree?
0: I am an anti-smutterer, mostly. I mean, I like cuddling, I do, don't get me wrong, but I am shy so I don't really like it when it's so public. The tree just has a very distinct personality that is more for Western white boys than for me.
1: It's definitely got some like old fashioned mommy dummy energy.
0: Which is not something I usually move towards, so I would say no. You prefer the kind one huh?
1: Yeah, kind of, which is kind
0: of the unicorn, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah. I would not fuck any exactly. of the characters except for Schmendrick, I love Schmendrick, he's my favorite Played by Alan Arkin, this movie's got a Star-studded cast by the way, Mia Farrow Alan Arkin, there's a, a Butterfly in the beginning who's played by Jeff Bridges, I'm pretty sure, and uh, Christopher Lee, Christopher Lee plays Haggard, King Haggard, so it's, I mean it's got a Fucking great cast, it's got more people too But those are the only ones I can remember, it's fucking fantastic And the music is so good Now we're out in the part in the podcast where we talk about social media, everyone's favorite bit. Uh, so quick shout out to Jake, who uh, responded to uh, the genius post Walter put together, the, um, the face swap between Ariana Grande and John Madden, which I had forgotten about until I re-listened to that podcast. I was like, what a good bit. What a fucking great ass bit. Remember the Man Babies website? this is the website where people would face swap babies with their dads in pictures so it'd be a picture of this like baby crying holding a dad whose like face is just like like it's, it's exactly <laughs> like
0: that's really funny no,
1: dude, man babies is great. why did that website die I mean it was around the same time as like the low cats website memes have just changed that's no like it was around when when like memes were still like a picture of a cat saying like I can have cheeseburger like it's like it's like old memes
0: so I want to admit something I don't face swap much because I don't really use my phone to take Pictures in general, I'm not a picture taker. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. So I never really had pictures to face swap, and I never really got into like the templates of the phones and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. No, It's a pain. In that. Especially because you and I are both pretty hard on our phones, and so they don't work great. I was like, I should do a face swap with
0: this, and found it surprisingly hard to face swap on the internet. Not that it was hard; it was just not like fucking the easiest shit you could ever do, which I thought would be the case because that's what it looked like in the past. Like, when I Googled, the first recommendation was using Photoshop. And I was like, no fucking way that's the easiest way. Then there were some online free things, but their interface makes them look like a sketch-ass website. That's so weird to me. You know, like, you can fucking find a calculator online. Yeah, yeah, and There should be an
1: application that just does
0: it. Yeah, and that was so weird. I was so... Surprised.
1: Also, shout out to Brian King, who's uh, one of our new Twitter followers. I know him in real life as well as being a Twitter follower, so that's cool. Uh, he's a friend of mine. Oh, also, I played some of uh, Ninja, Nin Online, Nin Online, or whatever the fuck that game was. I don't think I will be playing it. I'm sorry, Nin Online. If you want to give us some money, we will like totally say how good it is, but I don't think I'm going to keep playing it unless I get that chat. I tried
0: to play it, and then I saw I had to register, and then the register button took me to Nin Online's website, and then I got lost. <laughs>
1: I knew you weren't going to get any farther than that. And I was like, so I have to do it. I'll do it. Okay, so what did you do? I got to like the... Second screen where it's like teaching me about like how to use ninja scrolls and i was like this uh so i i got i got maybe 10 minutes deeper than you did.
0: I, I mean this is a new thing that happens on twitch people losing at the loading screen yeah
1: that's what happened basically is we lost at the loading like
0: screen. no i'm i swear to fucking god because you know like twitch used to be a gaming platform now you're getting all these people who want to be content creators not gamers but they are still going to play some games because it's still technically a gaming platform. They all lose to the loading screen. There's actually a fucking large amount of Twitch streamers who lose to loading screens these days. That's that's what we did. Loading screens are not easy now.
1: Yeah, I wish I could summon more energy, but honestly, I feel like I feel, I feel like, like, like the COVID is like not that bad. I just feel like hungover. And also, like, I smoked an entire pack of cigarettes, even though I've not smoked. I smoked, like, half a cigarette this morning, and it was my first cigarette in, like, two days. And also,
0: I'm pretty sure Suede's, like, pissed off that I, like, didn't relate to his part as much as he wanted me to. No, I'm
1: pissed off. You know I'm pissed off? I'm pissed off because it's Pride Month, and you hadn't congratulated me for being a homosexual or a queer or whatever. Okay, you actually are
0: actively making yourself sound like the straightest person right now.
1: I am so I'm so gay. I love dicks. I have COVID. Well, oh, I have COVID. It's pride. Month. Uh, Let's wrap it up then. And I guess, uh, I guess there's only, uh, oh, well, oh, oh, I'm dying. Well, <laughs> can you do the closer? Can you do the closer line? Oh, you need to say the thing we say at the end of the episode. If you're going to oh.
0: watch a movie, make sure you watch a pretentious oh. movie.
1: How we end end.
0: That's not how we end the podcast Make <laughs> oh, sure, you oh, sure you watch one without plot Make sure you watch one without plot I have a few recommendations You oh, can check oh, my, my letterbox You my, can check oh, my oh, twitter
1: my <laughs> Give me
0: a high five For being so cool <laughs> you so good at watching movies oh, My
1: blood is turning into ash We'll see you next time That's not how you close the episode
0: <laughs> 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 Oh <laughs>